welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by MAP. My name is Alex Clements and today on the show we've got an interview we did uh, last week with Grace Brown, the professional cyclist for a Bike Exchange. If you missed it, last week we kicked off season four with an episode with Chris Harper, the Neo Pro for uh, Jumbo Visma, turned pro in a COVID year and we had some very good feedback on off the back of that podcast and the interview with Chris and the insight he gave into maybe the most technical squad in the world tour. If you do need some new cycling kit, make sure you don't make sure you check out our podcast partner Map Apparel. They have the best in the business in terms of cycling kit from a design and quality and performance perspective. And you can check out their full range at map.cc. In today's podcast, we chat to Grace Brown about her amazing fast-tracked transition from uh, a professional running and business career into the Women's World Tour and, and at the top of the Women's World Tour based off her performances of last year. The amazing part about this story is how much Grace taught herself. She talks about these challenges that you face when you start the sport and the different things that you need to know, the process that you need to learn. And she just throws herself at it and is able to take those learning experiences on and do this incredibly fast pace transition from not knowing anything about the sport to racing at the highest level. We start off by talking about her adventure the day before where team owner Jerry Ryan had taken the winners of the 2020 Road Nationals out to his winery and then go into her coming uh, her year that's about to come up and then run through a full story from starting bike riding on Beach Road to winning some of the biggest bike races in the world. I hope you enjoy this podcast with Grace and if you do, please leave a review on iTunes or share it on social. It goes a very, very long way. There is, um, this may as well be topic number one. There is a big advantage of having an Australian team owner is that he can chop you out to his winery on the, on a Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty epic. Um, it would have been nice to be chopped out of Melbourne today as well before the lockdown comes into place. We're uh, speaking just after Dan Andrews' presser. Melbourne award is cancelled. You're meant to be flying back to Europe Tuesday. It's, it's all happening. It's all happening. Does... Let's go back to the chopper piece. Yeah. Does it, is that a normal thing? Like you're obviously in Australia for a small amount of time, Australian-based team. He doesn't get to see much of you. Uh, does he put on a bit of a show when you are about? Uh, we don't – no, it's not a regular thing. But I think Jerry was pretty excited from the weekend. Um, yeah, obviously the team getting two national champs. Uh, wins, so he just wanted to treat us. So he, um, yeah, organised for three of us to be choppered up to his winery in Nagambi and, yeah, have a day out. And and it was just all on him all day, just whatever you want. Yep, yeah, we we went in. He showed us around his um, personal residence, this like new house at, that he's built there at the winery. Yeah, at the winery, and then we had a long lunch. And then um, went on the boat with John Trevorrow down uh, just for some river drinks. <laughs> 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 and, um, yeah, and then caught the chopper back in the afternoon. It's not bad. Yeah. I don't know if you get that on FDJ. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think many teams would be doing that. Does he, so throughout the year, like how much touch does he have on the team? Uh, I mean, I think um, in a normal year, he'd be a little bit more present coming over to races in Europe and stuff. But um, yeah, like last year, we really, we didn't see him really. And then, um, yeah, it's just the Australian races that when he shows up, it's pretty special. If you want with that. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow, you're meant to race a Warney. Uh, long race with... With the men combined, is that right? Yeah, yeah. The women just sort of like float in around the men and like it's such a different race because you're not really racing the women. You're just like trying to get as far as possible. And then, yeah, if you get to the end 
ahead of the other women, then like, sweet. Then you win. But you might have a few in your bunch coming to the line, so then you try and get the guys to lead you out or, yeah. Have you done it before? No. (laughs) This would have been my first go. Yeah. Is it, is, um, so besides like the strength level to the different genetics, is there a different style? Like, is it a different kind of racing? Not having done it, I don't really know. But, um, yeah, I think you just need to be a bit of a long-haul engine, like... Just diesel for... Yeah, and be able to, like, really sit in the wheels and, like, make the most of the ride and don't, yeah, you know, go hard when you have to. Because what a, what's, like, a an average stage kind of race in Europe? What do you mean? Like you rock up to a tour for the men. It's normally one fifty yeah, oh, to one eighty. Okay, yeah, yeah um, it depends on the tour. Like, so for us, our biggest tour is the uh, women's Giro, and some of their stages are so short. Like, we have lots of stages under hundred k's, but then we have the women's tour of Britain, which has like back to back days of around one hundred and fifty, mm. which is around the max that we're allowed to do. Yeah. There's a cap. Yeah, yeah. The women's, yeah. Why is there a cap? I don't know. It's around like, yeah, 160 Ks is like the max that we're allowed to do. And then um, occasionally a race will get an exemption for some reason to make it a little bit longer. So you are legally rocking up tomorrow to the warning? Well, it's not a world tour race. It's not. Uh, okay. It's okay. not even a UCI race, so no. Nah. Yeah. That's, that's good though. That's a good thing. I think men's bike racing is too long. They put these stages in the tour, the 200 Ks of just like point to point, the most boring races yeah. you could ever think of. And the wa- there, there was one year there where they were going hot at like a, it was a 60 odd K mountain stage, a couple of h- under 100 K stages, and the best bike racing they've ever had. And then they reverted back to their old like traditional ways, like 150 yeah. Ks, the breakaway goes. They ride along for two hours and they race like madmen for an hour. Yeah, I mean, I, the Melbourne to Warrnambool is probably a little bit like that. Like, it's it's very flat, but I think because it's a one-day classic, it's um, and it's the longest race in Australia, so it's a bit of an epic um, thing. So people get a bit more excited than an average stage of the tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's windy. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I think tomorrow was meant to be a headwind the ho- most of the way. It's a big day. Yeah. It's a big day. Uh, See, so heading back to Europe Tuesday on paper. Yeah. Pending, <laughs> pending being al- allowed to leave the country. You're heading back this year after, can you call it your breakout season last year? A couple of big results. Yeah, definitely. Like, I did nothing in comparison the year before. Um, I haven't really been doing it that long. So, I mean, it's all been a progression, but... Um, Last year was like definitely the first time I got really solid results. Yeah. And is it a different feeling heading back? Yeah, definitely. Now it's like, um, yeah, going back and actually targeting some races and like expecting myself to be up the top of the peloton, which is a little bit scary, but also more exciting than usual. Because mm, there's that and Animeek's left the team. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Anna makes me the face of, like, the success of your squad for so long. And she's so good. Yeah. And then just perfect timing. Picked up a couple little results last year. She's gone to movie star. You're the the leader. Uh, Well, not exactly. We've still got Spratty. Yeah. And we've still got Roy, who's a really solid classics rider. But, um, yeah, still Roy and I have fairly different strengths. So, I think, like, we'll just play with those um yeah is it uh, a classic classics focused year for me yeah mainly the cobbled classics yep yeah i'll do amstel i'm not lining back up for liege which is a bit disappointing yeah why uh just a team decision okay <laughs> do you have much say into what what your schedule looks like um a little bit like usually it aligns Usually we like have a conversation with the um, directors and it's sort of agreed upon like 
you know, what I think I should be targeting is usually their idea as well. But yeah, I was a bit disappointed not to do like the full Ardennes, but I think they thought that like doing all the class, like cobbled classics and then all the Ardennes, like it's a too long a period to be at my top. Mm. So yeah, had to pick one or the other. Yeah. And it's also relatively new. Like what's se- what season are we up to in terms of your pro career? Uh, season 3.5. <laughs> and and what season are we up to in terms of your entire riding career? Um, well, I picked up a bike for the first time in 2015. So... It's not very long ago. Yeah. Just, just a tad over five years now. And, like, that's a... S- that's, that's so quick from A to B. It's kind of like to the top of top of the women's world tour is it is a bit like oh i'm here already like (laughs) uh yeah like there's definitely there was like a period where i was like uh i'm just gonna be like a shit kicker forever (laughs) but um yeah i I think like there's (laughs) points where like things just like click and you like step up another level and you're like wow i'm i'm where i thought was never possible Mm. Um, and it hasn't been like I've aimed necessarily, like it hasn't like, I haven't written down my goals and been like, this is where I want to be or whatever. It's just sort of happened. Yeah. Naturally. So pre, um, see first big result last year was second in Leo's best on the age. Uh, well that was just after coming fifth in the world's time trial. Was Worlds before? Oh, yeah. we had that weird as season, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. So Worlds. So there's a like couple of hot results there. Yeah. Into a Brabant Appeal victory. Yeah. So like that's that's a big fin- finish to the year. Yeah. Like before that, where we where we at mentally in terms of how you were seeing your career develop? Uh, yeah. So we had we obviously um, had like the massive break because of COVID, like mid season last year, and I came back to Australia and. Um, yeah, we had to, uh, when the racing resumed, like head back to Europe and, um, like that just seemed a little bit crazy and, um, just like a mental challenge, like Mm. leaving Australia and going back to Europe at that point. And it seemed like it was the racing even going to go ahead, like what was happening. Um, but yeah, somehow I managed to like keep um, training really hard over that period. Yeah, yeah I didn't this like. This is Melbourne lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Like oh no! So I left like the day that Melbourne went into the hard lockdown. This second lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Did you get the back end of the first one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that wasn't too bad. But there was no radius. Like you weren't just doing Q Boulevard. Yeah, I think I had like a week of doing Q Boulevard before I left. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I got in some solid training and, like, yeah, came off it pretty well heading back over there. But, yeah, I don't know what the formula was, to be honest. But versus the Euros that were locked in their yeah. apartments. Like, do you, do you think that that was the right call? Because it, it was a pretty big decision to make. Like, yeah. do I come home? Do I hang on? Do I... I think, well... Can I yeah, get home? At, at the time, like, as soon as things started going down in Europe in March, I was like... Next flight out of there. I didn't oh, yeah. like. I didn't hesitate. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sticking around for this. Yeah. Um, and that was yeah before we really knew like how long the break was going to be. I was just, I just didn't want to get stuck in Europe. Yeah. Basically, um, and I think it was the right decision. Not just like physically in terms of like being able to train or whatever, but being where I felt comfortable and safe. Um, yeah, and I think the Euros, like, had enough time to to train properly coming back into the season as well. Like, they... Well, they, they kind of hit that sweet spot of, like, uh, racing starting again. They'd kind of fixed COVID, and we were, we were in the lockdown. Yeah, yeah. And then exactly. they got into their, like, we don't really care mode. Yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> and they're still there. And they're still there <laughs> as we speak. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's strange. Um, so, how did you end up a cyclist? 
Um, well, I used to be a runner. I did like cross country. Like good, a good runner. National level, yeah. yeah. I like. I was a bit limited, I think, by my biomechanics. Like I just got injured all the time, so yeah, I'd train and then I'd be out and then like coming back again. So it was a bit, yeah. Um, I just never got to where I thought that I sh- wanted to get to with that. And then I had a couple of stress fractures and decided that I'd just had enough. So I quit running. <laughs> At the age of? At the age of 23. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I bought a bike because quite a few people had been telling me that I would be good on a bike. I don't know how they knew, but... Um, they were right. They were right. <laughs> were, you, like, were you working and studying and whatnot? Or you just yeah. yeah, I was um, working full-time when I started cycling. I was working in like business consulting um, in the city in a corporate job. So What's a business consultant do? Um, <laughs> it's so vague. This is such a vague <laughs> d- like job title. It's the most vague job title in the world. Ooh, I'm literally. a business consultant or <laughs> um, investment analyst. Yeah, pretty much. I like. I think I spent my first two years of working not actually knowing what I was doing. Um, <laughs> you did a business degree, though. No, nah, I did an arts degree. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you ended up in business consulting. Yeah, but yeah, basically we just gave like random advice to businesses. Yeah. Were you working for like one of the big four or no? Nah, it was small. A, it was a small um, firm, but. Um, had a city office and like did all that for a bit. Yeah. Early mornings on the bike. Were you were you sitting in that city off city office going, This is probably not for me? Like this Uh, I didn't love my job. Like I just found it a little bit frustrating. Um and I don't know, I don't think I like I was like, I really want to be a professional athlete. Like it sort of took me a while to like come around to that idea as a possibility. Um, but yeah, event, like I, I got a spot on the, um, Aussie women's development team and we were going over to Europe for three months. So I was like, uh, I'm going to have to quit my job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just did that. Like, oh damn, I have to quit. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, and then it just sort of rolled from there. I went back to work. For another company for a bit, but um, yeah, then it was just on this like trajectory of getting on a pro team and heading over. So, how'd you go from working in an office, never riding a bike, to on the under twenty th- or was it under twenty three or just a development nah, it was team? Just, yeah, all age development team. Um, where I started, I joined like a um. Beach Road bunch. Yeah. Um, and was doing like bunches with them a couple of weeks. That's where I met my husband. Um, and Good bunchy then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great bunchy. Um, <laughs> and then. But like they, that's not an easy thing to do. Especially yeah. coming to sport late. Yeah. In like a male dominated sport. Looking back, I was like, how did I have the confidence to do that? Like. I literally, I don't know, the, when I got on my bike for the first time after, like, purchasing it, I was like, I don't even know how to clip in. Yeah. <laughs> and you, and then... I remember going for a ride on Cube Bully and, like... So you didn't have someone that was, like, your uh, uncle or father or nah, oh, boyfriend or my, my dad, sister or someone that was, like, yeah, into my, cycling? My dad cycles, but, like, he's not in Melbourne, so he wasn't here to like take me out riding or anything um and i never went for rides with him when i was younger like Mm. so i sort of just started doing it on my own which is a bit weird it's ultra ballsy (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's so much to it and then you get to it and then there's so much like just stuff like just things like all the gear and and like learning how to change a tire and like yeah cleaning your bike and yeah i just knew nothing but like um yeah people just schooled me like 
like you know that you're not meant to do it that way or like <laughs> the the good thing about cyclists is they're happy to tell you when you're doing something wrong they're awfully happy to tell you when you're doing something <laughs> wrong that's what i mean it's like it's intimidating yeah like yeah. when you start when you first start the sport but when you i think when you start though like you don't realize that you know like the gear that you've chosen is a bit uncool or yeah like it it was just this slow progression of um sort of working it out i was lucky that um i went to bike gallery Um, yeah and they like they like decked me out they were like oh this newbie person who just like wants to get started and like they'll see dollar bills with (laughs) all this stuff you're about to buy (laughs) Uh, I didn't know how much I was meant to be spending, so I spent a fair bit getting set up. <laughs> yeah. And then you were set. Yeah. But then you got to learn to ride in the bunch. Like, that's not easy. Yeah. You've got to be accepted into – got to kind of have to be, like, accepted into the bunch. Yeah. Yeah, and, like – All these random personalities. Even – so, I remember my first crit race as well, like – um, I joined. There's a long way between riding a oh, bike yeah. and even crit racing, though. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like that was only a couple of months before I did my first crit. I think. Deep end. It's yeah. like right in the deep end. Yeah. But I like. At Hawthorne. Uh, nah, St Kilda, and I joined C grade women. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you know Bridie O'Donnell. Yeah. But she was like... A commentator. Yeah, marshal. Well, an uh, ex-rider. Yeah, ex-rider. She was marshalling the race. And um, I, like, broke away from the other women and, like, won it. And in, then your, in your first race. In my first race. <laughs> and she came up to me afterwards and, like, told me off for um, entering, like, the wrong grade and saying that, like, I shouldn't have entered this grade See, that, that I'm obviously what, too strong for. But that's what I mean by, like, cycling people. Like, <laughs> like, she didn't say, oh, well done, you probably should have been in this grade. You yeah. get told off for yeah. wearing, like, the wrong stuff or entering yeah. the wrong grade or being the wrong... Or breaking through the yeah, corner. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty... I don't know, like... I guess I didn't feel that intimidated at the time, but looking back, I was like, yeah, it's But then at the rough. same time, it's like a weirdly accepting sport. Yeah, yeah, you do, like, there's all t- all sorts of people that get around in cycling and mm. probably wouldn't fit in in other parts of normal society. <laughs> yeah, so you won your first race. Yep, yep, St Kilda C grade. Then you're already out of C grade. Yeah. B? And B, yeah, I think I, like, did one or two races in B. And then I was up in A grade. And this was after, this This is under a year. Yeah. And then I got bored of crit racing and I wanted to do a road race. Yeah. And uh, the next road race on Did the calendar. Did you have a coach or something at this point or was no, it all just no. self-taught? Oh, <laughs> just from like middle-aged men giving me advice. Giving me <laughs> shit advice. <laughs> yeah. Wait, not not optional advice, like yep. giving you free yep. advice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then I entered the, uh, road nationals in January, like five months, five or six months after getting on the bike. And that, that was when I was like, first road race. Yep. That was definitely the deep end. I got around like eight laps, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still motivating. It was still like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, let's go. So these are the like top girls in the country. Who won? Um, I think Kat Garfield won that year. Yeah. Yeah, with Spratty second, like they sprinted yep. each other. On the same team. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you go any race where you're allowed to sprint your teammate. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That was probably that year where Katrin was torching time trials as well. Yeah, I think. I think she must have won the time trial as well. Yeah. She went through the so like a pretty solid block there where she was pretty dominant. Yeah. So what do you what do you do after you DNF the road nationals? So then I decided I needed a coach. Cool. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I um, I don't know. I spent that year, I think, doing like VRS races and stuff. Um, and by the end of the year, I joined one of the NRS teams, Holden Women's Racing. Yeah. Um, did tour of Bright, and then I think it was the next January that I got to race TDU with them. Nice. So it went pretty well. Yeah, I mean, like, that was probably, like, the slower year. Like, I went, like, on a steep trajectory and then, like, eased off a little bit. But Well, you still went from, like, not finishing races to starting TDU. Yeah. True. Pretty big, um, it's a pretty big step. Yeah. I a lot of people don't get to TDU. It's I not was, a normal thing. I was pretty thing. rubbish at that year's TDU, but. <laughs> but were you, com- like, were you, were you a cyclist by then? Yeah, still a newbie, like. Still, everyone was like, who's this chick? But um, Were you stronger than them all, though? Uh, getting there, not... Yeah, I think I still, at that point, needed... Um, you know, like, the thing that's behind at that point is your skills in the bunch and, like, just being comfortable in the it's peloton. It's pretty, like... It's a pretty intimidating thing, racing in a bunch. There's, like... Riding on the road, one. Yeah. Riding in a bunch, two. Racing local stuff, three. Yeah. And then... Being in a Being an peloton. actual peloton yeah. is it's a pretty big thing. Yeah. Especially for, like, non-cycling backgrounds, like running. Yeah. Yeah, I was used to just running on my own and, like, not having anyone around me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, then, how'd that TDU go? Um... Uh, I think we we were we had Emma Pooley on our team and she was wanting to win it, but um, I don't think. Yeah, I just finished like seventieth each day or yeah. <laughs> something pretty rubbish. Yeah, it was it was good to like see that level of racing and I think I like wasn't that keen after that race to like a bit unmotivated. Yeah, it was like uh, yeah. I just felt like I wasn't going to get to that next level anytime soon. And was your coach like gene you up? Like, well, what kind of coach did you have? Who was your coach? Still the same coach that I have now. Um, Felicity Wardlaw. She was national time trial champion. I think the year before Kat Garfoot started winning. Yeah. Um, but then she quit the sport, and yeah, she's sort of been my coach. Through the whole thing. And was she like, Grace, you go wild, like, go for this, like, you're good, you've got the numbers, you've got the data's there, talent's there, like, go hard at this? Or was it like, oh, yeah, good job, <laughs> keep tripping away? <laughs> I don't remember specifically from that tour, but she's always been pretty motivating and um, always, yeah, made me feel like I can do more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I... Like, it's more, it's been more, like, as it's progressed that she's really backed me. I think at the start, it was like, ah, oh, you know, like, you've got pretty solid power. It's not, like, at that point, it wasn't amazing. Like, I've lifted my power a lot from when I started. Um, but, yeah, sh- she's, she's been good. So, you, you see, so you're at, like, that plateau phase after yep. one year. Uh, I wouldn't say plateau, but like I just needed to catch up with all the technical stuff. And there was a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I think I'd had some crashes and like lost a bit of confidence and yeah, it sort mm. of comes and goes like that, I think. So what'd you do? Um, well, I just, just I just kept chipping, just kept chipping. I did, um, well, I then, like, was racing the NRS and um, I managed to win the Mercy Valley Tour down in Tassie. Tassie. Um, and after that, that got me the spot on the development team to head over to Europe. Um, and I was pretty, pretty shit scared to race in the Euro Peloton at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> That's another step. Yeah. And That's like a step above the... I remember I remember my teammate um Shannon Melseed saying like look mate if you're scared descending in the NRS peloton then you've got some work to do because it's 
a hell of a lot more scary in the Euro Peloton. I'm like, shit. Mm. But yeah, like I went over there, I was crap, um, but just like battled away in all the races. Um, And I think even at that point, I was like, I really don't want to do this. Like it (laughs) really sucks. Like we were on this bloody team camp sort of environment doing crappy races in Belgium. And I was like, "Ah." (laughs) I Mm. really don't see the appeal. Um, But coming back from that, I hadn't realised, like, the development that that, like, really tough situation had given me. And when I came back to race in Australia, then I was, like, at a new level where I could could compete. Um, So, yeah, I think it it worked out. And then I was inspired again. (laughs) And then you were motivated again. Yeah. Yeah. And then... When does Bike Exchange come knocking on the door? Or Mitchelton Scott at the time? Um, not. So that was 2017. And then 2018, I did like half a season with Wiggle, Rochelle Gilmore's team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Race the World Champs. And following on from that, I... Why'd you do a half year? Um, because I got the Amy Gillett scholarship. Yep. And that sort of started in May, May or June. So I went over, I raced like Tour of California and um, Turingen in Germany and La Corse. Yeah. Um, but because I was like... Which were some of the biggest races in the yeah, sport. Yeah. They're not little races. They're not entry level. Yeah. They were pretty epic. And, like, I somehow managed to come 21st at La Corse, up this, like, massive, hilly course. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah. How'd you go at Turingen? Turingen, I was, I was racing well, but crashed out on one of the days and broke my ribs. So, I had to pull out. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was your bunch skills, like, good? Where you considered like you're confident, you're rocking out for these races. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm ready to box on for this climb. I think I was pretty good at that point. Like Tour of California, I was helping with like the lead outs for the sprints. Um, and I mean, like I wasn't as good as some of my teammates, but I could be there when I needed to be there. And like I, I was still learning. Um, but I felt reasonably confident. Um, but yeah, like I, I got through, <laughs> mm. I not, not as good as I am now, but yeah, I think I was like at a better stage. And this is still like year three of yeah being a cyclist yeah. E- ever. Yeah. So it's, it's still awfully new. Yeah. Mm. And so post that year, was Wiggle, was that the year that Wiggle folded or was there yeah, one more? Yeah, at the end of that year we were folded. Um, but I did Innsbruck Worlds yep. at the end of that year and then, yeah, started um, with Mitchelton the next year. Yeah. Did that deal come out of the Lacoste result? Um, I'd been talking to them for the f- whole year. I, I think at... For the Australian races, I came I came third on a stage at TDU and finished eighth overall. Um, finished top ten at Cadell Evans and also top ten at Sun Tour. Yeah. So it's a pretty good summer. Yeah. So then I was yeah I was in contact with the team already from January, um, and then I just went and did the thing with Wiggle. And I sort of knew that I was signing with Mitchelton for the next year anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was pretty sorted. Like, were you super motivated when that came about? Yeah, I mean, like, it was... You know, you talked about, like, oh, when you were at office work, you didn't... It wasn't like, oh, I need to be a... Yeah. I need to be a pro athlete. Was yeah. it at that... Was, did it did it get to a point where it was like, all right, 
I'm going to be a pro athlete. I'm going to do it. It's here. I don't think I ever really aspired to like the the label of being a pro athlete, but it was more that I just wanted to be like better and like compete at that high level and like be, you wanted to win. Yeah, yeah. I'm just really competitive. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's not like the the rest of the lifestyle around being pro is what I aimed for. Is just like I just really like racing and like being at the top. Yep. Yeah. That's a pretty good mentality to have. Yeah, although sometimes like the rest of it like gets tiring when you like there's uh, there's other stuff that I love about it, but um it's the it's the competitive side that really keeps me going. Mm. Do yeah. Uh yeah. I was going to ask you about something from last year, but let's go. Let's keep going. Let's keep going on this this train of where where you are. Because you <laughs> do we even know where we are? Anymore? Yeah, you've just you've just signed with you've just signed with Mitchell Scott. Yeah. Do you ne- do you negotiate? The, do you just neg neg the deal yourself? It's all you yeah. you just talking straight to the team. Yeah, I I haven't had a manager the whole time, but yeah, yeah thankfully, one of the good things from being in like the corporate corporate world is like you have some negotiation skills yeah and you know that how to business have consulting roles you know how to have coming. some tough conversations so um yeah that helped me out a bit do you think some of the athletes uh lose out a bit because it, there's not that agent land associated with yeah the women's side um yeah i don't i it's not just because there's no agents i think it's like a bit of a cultural thing as well. Like um, a lot of the women um, just feel privileged to be there and they'll accept what they're given. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, I think if you've got some other options to fall back on, then you can play hardball a bit better. But also like even for a lot of athletes, I've never – been in that situation where they have to negotiate anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just any, been like it's, it's just been or their parents have done it for them yeah. or yeah. There's or they're just given stuff. They're given it's like you're talented, here's this thing. Yeah. Um but then yeah, being on a pro team is like it's a business. Um and you're an asset. So that was something that I, I especially in those early days of, of starting this podcast when you start to have sponsors and you start to you're trying to you're trying to put a number on this yeah. thing and you're like yeah. well what is it i don't know what it is there's no it doesn't there's no rule book exactly it doesn't really like what is the value of a bike rider really who knows? who knows it's as much it's like whatever you can get away with asking for did you have other teams at the time that you could that had a number to give you a bit of a gauge or were you just swinging at Mitchelton Scott, just going, $2 million, come at me. <laughs> yeah. All your money. Yeah. Um, nah, I had another team, but like they, uh, oh, actually, yeah, there was, there was another team that I was talking to seriously that didn't end up like going ahead, but like they gave me some pretty good numbers that I was able to, um, Play off. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. And the team actually didn't start. Like the team was never a thing. Um, oh, I think they went ahead, but then they didn't end up having the budget that they'd promised. So yeah. they wouldn't have been able to pay me what they were offering anyway. Very, very standard cycle <laughs> procedure. <laughs> yeah. But it must also, like there's something about signing first pro contract with an Aussie registered team yeah just like getting recognition in australia as well like some of some of the other riders even though you know they're on really good teams like they get a little bit forgotten about in Mm. the australian media because they're not on the australian team yeah which is a pity i think yeah i'm really interested in the especially like because the women's side is still quite australian dominated the bike exchange squad. Yeah. Men's team kind of is. 
but it's also got a, a very international flavor now. Yeah, well, even the women's team now as well. Like we've got um, only five out of Aussies out of thirteen. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. So you're not really an Australian team anymore either. No. But as you said, the the power of you specifically being on an Australian team is important for. Yeah, I think there's still even even though we've got lots of Euros and other nationalities on the team now, there's still a really strong like Australian sort of um, vibe. And you like you see when we we're here in Australia racing like. And we want we all celebrate together, and there's like a real family sort of feeling about it, mm-hmm. which is pretty special. Do you see that on any of the other teams? Mm, I mean, I don't know if you get to witness witness those moments so much <laughs> on, of other teams, but um, yeah, probably not. I don't think you do in the men's. Maybe some of the like the American. Ones with like an American touch on it. There's a yeah, somewhat of uh, half time. They ended up being a weird like indie vibe <laughs> instead of a Australian vibe. So maybe not. Definitely yeah. not in the Euros. Like those hardcore like nah the Dutch, Dutch the Dutchies. Like nah, it's, no n- way. it's all business. <laughs> yeah. It's all business here. Yeah, they're not here to make friends. That's for sure. It does yield some pretty good results though. At the same time. Yeah. How is uh? So you've had your first pro season kickoff? Um, oh, the first. So I won the national time trial. That was my first race. And then... And uh, your first significant win? Yeah. Yep. And then I also won a stage of TDU. Um, so uh, yeah, pretty, pretty good. good. <laughs> pretty good. But then going to Europe's a whole other ball game. Like yeah. It's not... Was, Living there, being there, racing there. Yeah, ra- like racing the classics for the first time. That was intense. Like, mm. And I did pretty much every single race for the whole of March and April. I'm the, I'm, well, that first year in particular, I was the rider that was like, uh, someone else can't do it, so you're in. Like yep. every single time. Um. Because I've always been like the go-between between between the climbers and like the more flatland races. Yeah. I reckon that's something I've never experienced. It must be super challenging that like just not knowing where, where and when. Like it it looks all like pro from the outside. Like, oh yeah, you're meant to go to those races. But when you get into the nitty gritty and there's... You get called up the week before yeah. and you're flying to Belgium or some or race you don't like want to do. massive block of races and, like, that's your end point where yeah. you're just going to, like, sit back and relax. And then you get there and it's like, oh, can we just put you in this extra one? Like, uh, I had a friend yeah. that got called up to the Welter. Like a yeah. three-week tour. Yeah. Off, like, and the season was done. So it was, like, yeah. end of the year. Ouch. <laughs> rough i don't yeah. know how i don't know how you got through it like yeah when you're not like when you haven't been working towards it like i mean you just me- you like mentally clocked off yeah it's like it's friday it's 5 p.m yeah and then all of a sudden you got to yeah. work through the weekend yeah no nah. <laughs> not for me and this is this is see so first year pro is your fourth year riding yeah yep so if it so Talk about like motivation of that year that you went to Europe and it kind of sparked it. It was like, all right, I'm ready to be a rider. How was it this year? Obviously, you had a good summer, but how did that ebb and flow throughout the year? Um, I think I really got to enjoy like being a good domestique that year. Like I just worked my ass off for the team and mm. and we got some really good results. Um, and that was fun like and i i did better than i expected in like the classics and stuff like everyone was telling me that you know you dnf all your first couple of races and whatever but i was coming in like in the chasing group or whatever um 
so it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then did I it had still give you like a a level of motivation though to win? Like, do you? Because it's very easy to like just be pushed into that role, become somewhat comfortable when you lose that passion and enthusiasm yeah. and drive. Um, I don't think I ever thought like this was gonna that was gonna be my role forever. Like the team, even at that point, were like, at some point we want you to step up yeah. and be a leader. So it's just like getting all these races under my belt at that point. And, um, yeah, I knew that the team had confidence in me to, like, be at the next level up from that. But it was just a matter of sort of going through the motions a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like old school cycling. Yeah. <laughs> Although, like, they, you know, they let me um, – or they gave me the opportunity to win at TDU that stage, yeah. which that was like my, yeah, uh, that was my fourth or fifth day of racing with the team. And they're like, this suit finish might suit you. Go Have wild. A crack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's starting to change though. Like, although you used to like spend years working your way up in the pro ranks it was like here's the hierarchy yeah but now there's like these 20 year olds like winning grand tours yeah (laughs) yeah it's weird it's good i like it but even like you looked at just the road nationals and the tool down under like there's just yeah all of a sudden everyone's willing to throw it down yeah no one's there's no there's no hierarchy yeah it's just um your squad just Flapping in Australia, why you got to try to manage the next <laughs> hot athlete that's coming through? Yeah, exactly. It's like basically damage control. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Then after that year, then we came into your most recent year, which is also a COVID year. Yeah. We oh back to the year before. Were you comfortable living there? Yeah. Um, I, w- I Set was. Set up in Girona. No, in Italy. Um, I was. Gavarate. Yeah. Living with Sarah Roy. Although I didn't like really spend that much time there. I forgot to mention that I had like two pretty horrific crashes during the year. I broke my collarbone in China. Oh, and no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then... Um, you, hang on, back. Did you go to a Chinese hospital? Yeah, but I, I wasn't going to get operated on there. Oh, you I, had to get operations as well? Yeah, I got a plate. Um, But I went back to Italy for that. And then... That wasn't too traumatic. Why were you racing in... Is this at the end of the year? Nah, this is May. What racing in China is there in May? Um, Tour of Chongming. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great event. Was this when the team (laughs) was on the hunt for an Asian sponsor? Yeah. And they were just doing anything they could to get to Asia? Well, it it was a world tour race. So, like... Oh, yeah? Quite a few teams were over there. But many opt out of it because it's not much fun. How'd you crash at that race? Um, it was just like super flat and fast every day. And I think someone just, I don't know. We just lying on the ground going, oh no. Yeah. Hit it real, like hit the ground really hard. Um, but then I just thought like I dislocated my shoulder. I was like, it's not like that painful. Like I just need someone to pop it back in for me. Like I was adamant that it wasn't broken. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, it was broken, which was... And you needed surgery. Yeah. Yeah, I always, mean, I could have... you always need surgery? I could have gotten away without surgery, but it would have been a longer recovery. Yep. So... I but then even, it. like, I, I don't know, just for me, there's something about going to hospitals outside of Australia. Yeah. Even in Italian hospitals, like... The, the Italian hospital was, like, really good, actually. Like that was the great. Chinese hospital was probably really good too. No, nah. it wasn't. No, nah, no, nah, it was like it was. What was it like in there? Um, just mayhem. <laughs> People <laughs> but, everywhere. But we were like VIPs. Like, um, they put me in this like wheelchair and they were wheeling me around, and like there were people queuing up to get in for like ages, and like I just got wheeled like straight an past emergency. everyone. There was an emergency line. Yeah, and then um. Like <laughs> they x-rayed me, but like I still had my kit on. So in the in the x-ray, there's a little like zipper. 
um oh yeah it was and then yeah they were like saying that I needed surgery I was like no I'm not staying here any longer thanks for the x-ray were they speaking English no well, like we had a translator so yes yeah. oh, never could start yeah. <laughs> yeah it was pretty scary yeah yeah it's did you have to spend overnight there no no thankfully straight, in, uh, straight yeah out. I just got out of there and then flew back to Europe like a day or two later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then straight into Italian hospital. Yep. Surgery. Surgery. And then... Even I that's intimidating though. Like, they're not speaking English. Yeah, they were a little bit better. Yeah, I had a doctor that could speak English. And uh, some of the nurses could... Did they love that you're a cyclist too? No, no, they, no. they just treated me like okay. any old person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and then I I was back on the bike in like three weeks. Like I was straight back on the ergo, back on the road three weeks, racing, after like four weeks after. And you said you had a second crash. Yeah, that was a little bit more traumatic in Norway. I came down. There was like a gravel tour of, tour of Norway. Tour of Norway. Yep. There was a gravel section, one of the stages, and some girl in front of me like hit a pothole and let go of her handlebars yeah um and i decided that like i didn't want to crash on the gravel so i went like off road but there was this massive ditch and i um i fractured like eight ribs punctured my lung and lacerated my arm you can see that yeah camera yeah. That's uh, pretty big. Yeah. I think. On what? I don't know. Like, Maybe a, a chain ring. Uh, chain ring. Like I had um, on my on my chest where like my ribs were all broken and my lung was punctured. I had like marks from a chain ring. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah. So that... That was the end of my season. Yeah. Mm. Did you get home or did you? Um, well, with a punctured lung, what happened, yeah, what do you do you're not there? allowed to fly for three or four weeks. So I was up in Norway, which isn't the most convenient place to be. Good hospitals though. Nah. The not hosp- even up there. Nah. I just picture up north as like everything's perfect. Nah, it was, it was r- pretty bad. I was lucky to have a room. Most people were in the corridors. There's no line out the front, though. No, there was no line out the front. Um, but yeah, we had to. Elliot came over to like rescue me from Norway, and we the husband. Yeah, the husband. Um, what a man! Yeah, <laughs> legend. Still, still hanging around from that first bunt ride. <laughs> Couldn't get rid of him. Um, even came all the way over to Norway and we caught like... So, uh, so he took a... He wasn't in Europe. He just nah. took a he impromptu t- flight yep. to Norway. Yeah, to come and rescue me. Um, and we caught like a cruise ship to... Um, <laughs> because he couldn't fly. <laughs> yeah, to Germany. And then we caught like, I don't know, three or four trains to get to the UK where his family lives. What was, what was the team doing? Like, because what can they do? What, like, nothing. Well, like, thankfully our DS is Norwegian. So he like was there when I was in hospital before Elliot rocked up. But, um, yeah, I mean, apart from organizing like the insurance and stuff to pay for it all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were super supportive, but yeah. Yeah. They weren't going to take the. It's like grown-up racing season, though. Like yeah. you, you just get we've paid your bills. You're in this Norwegian hospital. <laughs> sort it out. <laughs> get home. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Unless I wanted to stay in Norway for three weeks, which wasn't keen on. It's a long time. Yeah. So you got it to the UK eventually. Yeah. And then I was still down to I'd I was on the world's team. Um, what what month are we, are we up to? August. Yeah. So it was... Two months to Worlds. 
a month and a half, month and maybe. A bit. Yeah. So I think I made the call pretty early that um, I wasn't going to be any good to race the road race because Yorkshire was pretty hectic. Um, and and like that was was that going to be your first race back? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. What was going on with the ribs? Because you, you also yeah. broke out of them. Yeah. So that was pretty painful. Like it took me a couple of m- like. Did they at just least two months to stop having pain. But I think I also push it a bit. Um, do they just let them sit or what's... Yeah, you can't do anything. You just, yeah. yeah. You can't bandage them up. No. No, they just have to heal themselves. <laughs> so, yeah, but then eventually I um, pulled out of the time trial as well because I just wasn't going to be up to scratch. Yeah. How do they fix a punctured lung? Um, I had to get a tube put in my chest and like, cause you get this like gap between your lung and like your, I don't know, the wall of your chest that gets air in it and fluid and stuff. So you need to like drain all of that out. Um, is that only once? It's meant to be only once, but I had to go back into hospital because it like re I don't know what you call it it's called a pneumothorax but so the pneumothorax came back after yep. they'd already drained it but not so bad that they had to drain it again they were just like yeah just monitor it yeah how are you feeling about cycling at this point <laughs> pretty low <laughs> uh, especially yeah especially when I was in like the hospital I was like Nah, col- like a collarbone. I am, a I collarbone. am done. <laughs> yeah. A collarbone's like, okay, yep, that sucked. But what you've just gone through, that's that's pretty big. Yeah. I was like, because when I came down in the crash, I was like in this ditch. I had like, there was water with my blood in it. I didn't know where the blood was coming from. I knew that I was like in a lot of pain in my chest. And I was like. I'm dying. And I couldn't breathe because my lung was punctured. I literally thought... That you thought it was the end of the line. That, that was the end. And then even in the ambulance, like, I was watching the, my oxygen saturation. And it was so low. I was like, I'm going to run out of oxygen and die. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you know what level your oxygen saturation is meant to be at? Um... Well, it just there's like a gauge, like one to ten. Yeah, if you're no, a two, usually it's like around ninety, like above ninety five percent, and it was down to like fifty or something. I don't. The breathing part too would have got you. Like you can yeah, deal with I, like bones hurting and yeah, but I couldn't breathe. It was just like uh, like yeah, like you've got I don't know one lung basically. Did that that period of when you like woke up, or did you get knocked out as well? No, no. No, I was conscious the whole time. So good or bad? Uh, probably bad, yeah. So that peri- that period of when you crashed to like into the hospital to yeah. the actual hospital, just go forever. Yeah, so long because like we were on this, I don't know, gravel road out in the sticks, and it was like bumpy and yeah, it just took no no chopper out. No chopper out. Need to get Jerry Ryan's yeah. heli up there. Where was Jerry when <laughs> I needed him? <laughs> yeah. Pretty yeah, rough. that's 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 a wild experience. Yeah, yeah, I'd be pretty happy not to go through something like that again. But also something that people don't, you don't, you can't come back from. Like it's not, it's not like oh, let's just get back on the bike, no. just do it again, just race again. Yeah. We we considering hanging it up. Yep. Yeah. I'd like seriously considering it. Def- I, w- I would be. Definitely. I would have hung it up in the Ambo. Well, like in the hospital, like my DS was there and I was like, I'm done. I, I can't do this again. Mm. Actually, I think I said it to him when they were like putting me in the ambulance. I was like, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like maybe I'm mental. but Did it just wear, did it wear off? Over yeah. That like that emotion just like slowly wears off and you like find yourself back training to do it again. Yeah. Bit mental. It's you're a bit mental. Yeah. 
it's a heavy experience. <laughs> Especially when like that crash, for example, is out of your control. Mm. It's not it's not a controllable environment. You've got people everywhere. Yeah. Um do you think it was do you love the sport? Um or was it that competitive drive? Yeah. I mean uh, I I do really like cycling and I find it like an, an exciting sport and because of the risk is that why nah, it's exciting uh, nah it's like the adrenaline and like the unpredictability of it um, mm. but yeah I like in those moments I don't like the sport no I don't think anyone could, but yeah. And there, there's definitely been periods where I've not not liked the sport. But have you crashed much since? Um, I came down once at the start of last year. At the there was a big pile up at Cadell Evans Road Race. Um, I hit my head, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't too bad um and that was yeah that was my last crash sorry does it like is it gone like you put it in the past or is it still like a daunting thing um at the moment it's in the past like i i think the further away the more races you do without coming down the more you start to think you're suddenly invincible yeah and you're like yeah i've i've had my bad run and i'll be right but yeah. also, like, I'm more often in a better position in, in the peloton now so that the crashes tend to happen behind me. Yeah, there's you can't control your environment, but you can reduce the risk. Yeah. I don't know. People that come back from, like, gnarly crashes, like Jakobsen this year. Oh, yeah. I don't know. No, it's... It's the reason why I'm sitting in my living room talking to you, not <laughs> racing bikes. Like yeah. they've got, they've got this like tick. I don't know. There's just something, something weird about you guys that doesn't sit with the normal, normal person. Yeah, but it's also the sport. Like it, the whole culture really normalizes crashing, and like when you have a traumatic event like that, they're just like. Oh, no, nah, you know, you'll come back, like, mm. you just got to put it behind you. Like, there's none of this stuff. I don't know. I feel like it needs to be a little bit better at, like, addressing the trauma in a way. Yeah. Like, it's like, there's let's just box that up th- and yeah. pretend it never happened. But there's also that even around, like, everything, whether it's crashing, whether it's I've got a broken. There was a guy at the tour last year. Tour de France, rode for EF, snapped like, he broke something in the prologue, the opening prologue, and he started this like GoFundMe and there was this big thing around like him riding through the tour with this broken bone. Oh, yeah. he Yeah, he broke his ribs. Yeah. And it was, the, it was just the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. Like why on earth are you riding through? But there's this thing in cycling where it's cool to like box yeah. on like. Yeah. Finish the race. Like, hard man. Yeah. So, if you're the person that, like, pulls out, then you're just weak. Yeah. You're weak. Yeah. The sport's hard enough as it is. (laughs) It doesn't need to be any harder. (laughs) Yeah. Just, like, give us some slack, really. Hmm. Yeah. And there's, like, the whole thing about, you know, like, coming back from an injury and being, like, better than before. (laughs) (laughs) Did you come back? Well, you came back and you were better than before. Um, I think, uh, I actually came back pretty slow. I had like good nationals last year, but I think I got lucky. I wasn't as good as what, yeah, mm. people thought. But it must have been a nice little confidence boost heading into yeah. European year. Yeah. The season. The season that started and ended abruptly. And then came back. But it was a good season. Yeah. For your career. Yeah. Like put you on the map. Yeah, definitely. You're like you're on like everyone's map now. <laughs> you might have been on like the Australian map before. Yeah. But now you're on Yeah. Now 
You're on a global the map. The rest of the peloton know who I am. Yeah. Which is cool. Sort which of. which comes with like good good status. Because now you can like like Peter Sagan boxes on with people like bash spas. It's like you turn around and if it's some like Neo Pro or on a national team, it's like no, nah, yeah. I'm gonna shut the door on him. <laughs> yeah. You turn around and it's Peter Sagan, you let him through. Yeah, I mean there's it's a little bit different in the women's Peloton. There's like a few riders that have that like Marion Voss. Yeah. She big can, status. She can ride wherever she wants in the Peloton. Um, but there aren't too many others like that. Did Anamique have that? No. No, it was just Mariana Voss or no, yeah. that was it. Yeah, pretty much. Whereas I reckon in the men's peloton, there's a few. Yeah. There's probably five, five or six. But then also there's a lot more, there's a lot more, um, I guess, GC guys that don't need it. They've got a team that kind of yeah. takes that out of it. Yeah, exactly. But then you've still got like the Julian Elfleece and Sarkins of the world that they just come with come with status. Yeah. They've got a bit more style. Yeah. Yeah. So you, well. It must be on track though, with that like that growing bike confidence that yeah. five years I, of skill now. I definitely felt it like after um a few of my results, just like each race, just getting like it was just a little bit easier to like people like, Oh, it's Grace, we'll let her through. Mm. Whereas before I was like, Who is this chick? Yeah. <laughs> like, <Is> this <laughs> no, I am not giving you that wheel. Um yeah, so it was like a little bit, like I felt a little bit more respect, I guess. But yeah, it's never, like you never get a free run in the peloton. No, it's not a thing. No. <laughs> but it's, it becomes easier. Yeah. Yeah. That Did did that become easier from that, yeah, that fifth of worlds, second at Liège, best on Liège, into yeah. the win? Yeah. So advanced appeal. So yeah, definitely Brabant's like I felt heaps more respect in the peloton. I was like, this it must is, feel good. This is so easy to like just like skirt around. Um, at, but also I was like feeling super confident. Like I was just like, I'm pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it felt yeah, it must feel unbelievable to be like go from that step of I'm a very good bike rider too. I'm one of the best here. Like yeah. I'm I'm here to win. Yeah. Especially exactly. with your competitive nature. Yeah. Before it was like I know that I've got like the ability but I just need to find a way to like get in the position to do something. Mm-hmm. Whereas then it was just like, all right, I'm here now. Yeah. That's that's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. We've got your husband outside, so we probably <laughs> should wrap up. It's been very good chat. All the best for this year. Yeah, thanks. Um, hopefully we have some more successes. Hopefully uh, we've, few got more a, stories. we've got another year to unpack. This is um, yeah. exciting <laughs> and filled with victories. Yep. Thanks, Grace. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex.